love doing stuff like this. But no, uh, my favorite story that I think that you've probably told just in in small passing that you've done on live streams is probably the one about you. Uh, you were at the funeral. Was it your grandfather that you were yeah. at? You know, that's probably my favorite story. I have others, but this one probably stands out more because this is something that I would do. Yeah, so this one is is not my most proud story, but <laughs> my mom always <laughs> likes to repeat it. Sam always likes to repeat it. So I I love being around people. I love talking. I am not an awkward or stressful person, but the only things I don't usually handle well is surrounding like death. Like I don't like sadness. I don't like grieving. I, I just, it, it's, it's just not part of me. And so oftentimes when I'm put in those situations, I resort to humor. And many times around situations like death, humor is not the best course of action, but it just comes out. So I was at my grandfather's funeral on my dad's side. And so we're all around and it's in this like funeral home and it's just kind of like the hangout period and everyone's sad and crying, you know, doing the how you doing? Oh, you know, and and going through. Then we we're sitting around this like gathering area, a bunch of couches, table in the middle. And my uncle was talking and I don't even know exactly what he was talking about. It was something along the lines of uh, visiting. And if you guys remember when we grew up on the lake and it's like me uh, my wife, Sam, my mom, my dad, my sisters, aunts and uncles and cousins, and they start going around and they're like, no, I don't, I don't really remember that. I'm like, oh, yeah, we've got recordings of like the old, old uh, uh, camcorders and everyone playing at the lake. And they're like, do you guys remember the lake? And they're like, no. And then my uncle goes, oh, it was uh, D's Lake. And so they asked around, the, they're like, do you guys remember D's Lake? And it was just kind of like silent and it got to me. And I think Sam knew exactly what I was going to say. And I'm like, I'm like trying not to. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then they looked right at me and they're like, I know you remember, Dan. Dan, do you remember Dee's Lake? And of course I had to. I go, no, but I do remember Dee's nuts. And my whole family was just mortified. Like, I don't know if Sam's ever been more embarrassed and more yeah, your like, family too. Oh yeah. It was my family. And so, yeah, that was, that was one of the worst right at the funeral. And I'd probably do it again. It was just, it was just served up I, literal word for word. Dan, have you heard of, or Dan, do you remember D's Lake? And I was like, all right, now I got to go. And so, yep. So that was uh, the funeral story. Well, that's exactly probably how I would have handled that because <laughs> I do not do, not necessarily sadness. I don't do tense moments well, other than yeah. like I can be in front of people, but like if I know other people are hurting, I don't want them to hurt. Right. And that's Same. usually what I go for. Same. That's exactly what it is. I don't, yeah, I don't like that. You know, I'm, I'm not someone that, that deals with sadness in that same kind of way. So it's like, I want to uplift others. And yeah, that was, <laughs> that's how it was delivered. So now that we know that you and I both don't do well in those situations, but I know you well enough to say that I could probably give somebody a, a good outline of who I think you are. Okay. But I think you're probably better at this. I think CMC would probably be even better at this, but tell us who is, who is Dancy Bearded? Oh man. Well, my government name is Dan Command. I am a husband and father. First and foremost, I have an amazing wife who's working right next door. She's got a brand new shop and loving it. I have three children, uh, two boys that Maddox is seven, Jax is five and Violet's three. I am a former coach and teacher. I taught middle school history for 12 years. I coached swimming and water polo for all grades from five-year-olds to, uh, to seniors in high school for 16 years. And I am a, a full-time content creator uh, dealing with beard care as, as the main thing. And I guess who I am, I'm just a, a super positive, motivated, and just driven, happy person. And I think that that's really what drives people to you, to be honest, is the positivity and that you don't bring outside the outside negativity and whether or not you have negativity going on, you don't bring the negative outside energy to you or about your channel whatsoever. For sure. And I think sure. that what drives people to that is the fact that they're dealing with that every day, seeing it, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram or whatever, yeah. that's what really keys people into you. But Going back to what you had, you had started off by saying that you were a father, most of all, 
first and foremost, you're a father and a husband. Like, yep. I don't, I, I've never, never knew you outside of this whatsoever. But one thing that I have noticed that when you talk about not just content creation, but dealing with a bearded community, you get this like bright light with you. And I, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one that notices it, but do you think that not only did this channel or your content creation path kind of bond you and Sam T closer together as husband and wife? For sure. For sure. No doubt about it. And even to the basics, the channel idea was from her. Uh, This was not something that was a dream of mine or I grew up wanting to do. Uh, It was something that she thought I'd be good at. And so I tried it and just essentially was to impress my wife. It it wasn't to get money, wasn't to get numbers or ego or anything. And so that was kind of the basis of this. And then I I guess probably the, the greatest bond that we've had together is as it's grown, it's been nothing but support on both sides. I mean, when I started this channel, we were filming at the kitchen table. And so I would have to set up the lights, I would I put a screen, I would put like an actual bed screen over the sliding glass door as like a diffuser, I would set up bean bags and foam like you know, those trifolds for assignments, I would literally put that all around because I was in a hardwood floor with a with a wooden table, I'd put a blanket over the table. And so I needed the house to be quiet. And even when we started, we had Maddox, and then we had a baby Jax. And so I tried to go during nap time, I couldn't go at night because I didn't have lights. And so if they woke up, she would literally drive them around the, the neighborhood, she would go get like a coffee or some some fries and drive around the neighborhood until I was done filming. And it was never like a hassle. It was never like, oh, I got to work around my wife or this. It was like, okay, what can I do to help? And then as we grew and things like getting new cameras, right? I got to show a guy like cameras over here, got cameras over here. And as we built the studio and all this stuff, it was, I think, the opposite experience of a lot of people where I'm like, okay, I should probably get a studio. And she's like, oh, yeah, go big, do this. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, I, I don't need to spend that. I'm not going that crazy. And and she was just so supportive all along the way. And I could be super open, super honest about everything. She never batted an eye, whether it was negativity, like you mentioned, from the outside, whether it was super positive. She was just there to support, there to check me. She actually watched part of my live stream last night and texted me today and said, hey, I'm not coming at you. But I took this in kind of an interesting way, just kind of food for thought on how you delivered this. And I was like, no, you're right. Thank you. I should have said that in a better way. And so, yeah, it's done nothing but help bond us together better than ever. And she doesn't do that a lot, does she? Like sit in on live streams too terribly much because she's dealing with the kids or she's doing her own thing. Yeah, and she will. Yeah, she definitely does her own thing. She's not. She is definitely not somebody that's like chasing the spotlight that has to drop a comment to to get a bunch of attention or anything like that. She'll watch in the background. She'll she'll give me some some props afterwards and say like, oh, that was a really great show or hey, think about this. Um, but it's not something that she like has to watch or is adamantly following. It's just kind of on, on her her own time. Now, going into the the next step that you find even more important is being a father. Now, you also talked about being a Coach, now I don't know if you're ever going to go back down that road again in the future, but would you say that being a coach helped you out being a father, or do you think being a father helped you out being a coach? Uh, Definitely both. So uh, being a teacher and coach are very similar things. I I didn't know that I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know I wanted to be a coach, just kind of like YouTube. I went to college to actually go for like radiation tech. I was a swimmer in high school, a water polo player, basketball player, and my best buddy, who was also a swimmer, his dad owned a, a medical imaging company. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And he was like, get this tech job and I'll give you a job making 100K your first year out. I'm like, all right, sounds good. And I hated it. But I started coaching water polo in college and I fell in love with like motivating people, bringing people together, teaching a sport. And I was like, man, I can't likely do this as a career but what's something similar I was like oh teaching it seems similar and what do I like oh I like history and so I started teaching started coaching with that with that idea in mind of motivating people of teaching people and so it really helped with understanding how people react understanding different personalities which is really important as a father I have three kids they're all vastly different my approach has to literally in every situation for every kid has to be different So coaching greatly prepared me for that. Same with teaching and having that perspective. But once I had kids, 
it also flipped the perspective the other way. And there were certain situations where maybe I wasn't as sensitive as I should have been in teaching or in coaching. And once you have kids, you see it through a different lens of dealing with somebody else's kids. And I actually have, so I have two different master degrees. And the first one was in administration to be a principal. I now looking at it from this side, I think a requirement to be a principal should be that you have children. Now, some people are going to push back on that and say, oh, that's ridiculous. But the perspective you have once you have children is just something you can't experience until it happens. And I'm somebody that considers myself like an old soul. And I like to have a diverse perspective. Having that child, having multiple children just changes your views on things. And so definitely becoming a father completely changed my approach with teaching and with coaching as well. So both sides of that definitely impacted each other. Do you think that uh, if Violet ever decides she ever wants to do sports, that that she could impact you enough to want to help coach something that she's going to get into, whether that be soccer or something like that? For sure. Whatever, whatever sports they go into, if there's a need, if there is an ability to spend that quality time with them, that's why I would. Uh, The main reason for leaving coaching, uh, which was a different reason than teaching, was because of the time away from my family. Uh, The teaching schedule wasn't actually time away from my family because they were in school for the most part, other than Violet, who's not there yet, but she'll be there very soon, you know, but when they would get out of school, I would be out of school. And so that wasn't an issue. Coaching, it was the exact opposite. My kids would get home from school and any minute I spent coaching was a minute away from the family. And so the only way I would go back, at least in their early years of coaching is to coach them. Uh, For example, my boys playing a soccer team together right now, which is really amazing. I could see in the future if that were to line up coaching because I'm going to practices. Yeah, I'm going going to games and stuff anyway. So I, I definitely could. And then, yeah, that father-daughter relationship of Violet, she she really likes soccer. So we'll see where she goes. But I could see that that being the only route. I can't see myself, at least while my children still live with me, coaching anybody other than my children. Is it Jax that's like a solid score on that soccer field? Or uh, so that's it? Maddox. So Maddox is uh, is Murder. the seven-year-old. Um, Jax plays goalie. He plays a little bit in the field, too. And um, he's doing good. He's a, a younger dude playing with much older kids. This is the, um, like, uh, eight, nine, I think, is the age group. And he's only five, turning six. So he's much younger. And he, he, he definitely stands out on the younger side. Maddox is a little bit younger than the rest of the group. But, yeah, he... He and every parent says this, but we we really think so. We he he's got something special. We actually he's just had a club coach that came to our house the other day. We didn't even know him, and they're like, he needs to come play for us. He needs to to come to this team. And yeah, he had a streak of I think it was nine straight games where he scored at least seven goals in a soccer game. And so Jeez. yeah, he just broke it the other day. He didn't. Uh, he only had one or two goals, and he's uh, leveled up, went to a new league and a, a much greater competition which is good for him but yeah he is he's a stud he's i have a hyper focused obsessive kind of addictive personality and that's him the second he gets home he's got the soccer ball at his feet he's watching soccer videos he's doing everything he can he's just straight up obsessed with it and so he's he's getting a lot of a lot of good good skills that that he's earning on his own does he have a favorite player yet Oh yeah. Messi is his favorite player by far. He, he knows every player in the world. He he has a game on his, uh, his little tablet that will show your face and you got to guess who it is within a certain time. It's crazy. And he'll just, just unbelievably go off. But Messi's his favorite. My son, Jack's uh, Harry Kane from England is his favorite, uh, but they all love like Mbappe and they, they love all the, all the big names, but Maddox is a messy guy. He loves, he's all about, he's huge. He's in the 99th percentile for height and weight but he loves footwork. And that's the biggest thing that separates him out there is at this age, it's a lot of kids like see ball, go ball. And he's like, let me nutmeg. Let me do this rainbow. Let me do a Maradona. And so he's just killing it with his footwork. And they're like, his goals are nice too. See, when you and I were in school, it was uh, Beckham. He was right. the big name. Like yep. the movie, Bend It Like Beckham. Oh yeah. I couldn't get into it. I'm not a big Either. soccer fan, but like, in Michigan, they've got. I'm, I'm assuming they have hockey. Is, yep. Is that like a high school sport? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I don't have hockey. We didn't have like lacrosse. We didn't have water polo. Wow. We don't have those sports. We have okay. wrestling, football, volleyball for girls. And then if the guy wants to play on uh, a girl's team, I think the rule is is that if there's a guy on the team, the net has to be raised to a certain level. Like there's other rules outside of that. So I was kind of 
taken back by like how many schools have so many different more sports. Oh yeah. Our school, we have, we have, we have rugby, we have, yeah, water polo. We have an equestrian team. Uh, the only one that we don't have that others in the state have is a rowing team, like a crew team. Yeah. And that's another, yeah, that we don't have anything to row on. So right, late. right, right. <laughs> but another thing that I know that you didn't mention, and that's, I, I could have misheard you, but something that a lot of people kind of overlook is that you were also a, I find you to be like, you talk about a lot about a mental health, like people yeah. in the community that reach out to you and you just lend them an ear. Now, have you always been that type of person or did this uh, channel really channel that into you? Yeah, no, I definitely have not been that type of person. I was not somebody, I am not somebody still that has struggled with any mental health things, right? I never say never, who knows what journey is ahead of me, but I've never had depression. I've never had anxiety. I don't even really get stressed. I, I like to make lists. I like to control what I can control, let everything else kind of worry about itself. But my wife is someone that does have anxiety, that does have some of those battles. My son Jackson has thoroughly has those battles from he had a terrible experience at a hospital earlier in his life, the extended stay with just a bunch of craziness. And so he has like situational PTSD, they call it. And so I had to really learn through them what this was. And, and even I, to be real, even learn that it was a real thing. I think a lot of people that that are kind of like me, and I would assume kind of like you, where we grow up and we are we, we're tough, you know, and we persevere and stuff. We almost think like, oh, yeah, they're just not mentally tough. Oh, yeah, they're just not pushing their self. And, and I had to learn like, oh, no, there's actual things. There's real chemicals, the imbalance. There's real stuff that's going on. And so through helping my wife, through helping my family, I was able to learn how to listen. I'm a fixer. I'm a control guy. I was a teacher. I was a coach. I, I like to fix things. And a lot of times in these situations, you can't fix them. You can't give advice. You just need to listen. You just need to support. If they want advice, you give advice. And so through that journey, I learned that. And then when I started this platform, I realized there's a lot of people that come to communities for different reasons, whether it's to need the support, to need the camaraderie, to, to go to a place where everybody knows your name kind of deal. And I also realized like, oh man, when I started this, there's a lot of veterans and we called a freedom beard where they're in the service for however many years they have to shave every day of their life. And the last thing they ever want to do when they get out is shave again because it reminds them of, of those days. And so they have this and oftentimes there are some mental health challenges that come along with that rightfully so. And I just kind of, I don't know, it wasn't like a, a plan. It wasn't like a moment or anything. It was just kind of people started reaching out to me and be like, Hey, can I talk to you about something not beard related? I'm like, of course, you don't even have to preface it like that, man, of course. And so then I just try to make it super clear to everybody that I will respond to everyone. I will listen, I will, whatever you need me to do, I will try my best. If I don't have the ability, I'll find a number, I'll find some kind of place that will hopefully be able to help you. But I do know how important that is. Uh, last year, we had a student at our school that uh, took their own life. And that was unbelievably devastating. I've had friends, I've had people that I've known for a very long time. And I see those warning signs, I see those things adding up. And it's like, man, I, I just, I want to make sure people know they have somebody, right? When we were teaching, we wanted to make sure every student knew there was one adult that cared about them. It's like, if this community if people are watching, I want them to know that there is at least one person that cares about them, likely far more than that. But I want them to know that I can be and I will be that person. Now, like, it also took me also probably being married to realize that there's, there's way more things than just mental health. There's, like you said, anxiety, there's, yeah. there's stresses, I think, leveled out into numerous different like categories, because you have stress either over family, you have stress over friends, you have, I mean, yep. I, just like you, I don't stress about much. And if it is stress, it's more like, I've got to get it done. I've got to, right. I've got to fix it. Like, and I also think that that has a lot to do with the sports I was involved with because it For taught sure. me how to fix things on a whim, whether that be in a certain situation in a football game or in swimming, I had to, I had to catch up or in wrestling, I had to gain a couple points, get up or whatever. But mm -hmm. that I think also helps the ones who were self-motivated, like with sports, uh, ones that aren't self-motivated, I found to be that they aren't really into sports or they're not not necessarily into them. They weren't raised around them because my wife sure. is from Ohio and she'll be the second one to tell you. I'll be the first. She's not very coordinated when it comes to sports, but 
she wants to be involved, but I also think that that act, the activity of just getting down in the dirt and doing stuff is really the biggest help is to doing something out of the norm. Yeah, for sure. But let's kind of take a different route with, uh, I guess, content creation. I mean, yeah, I think when I first heard your name, I don't know if, if you're familiar with when this video came out, cause I'm not, uh, Scott Barnes, he kind of yeah. gave a top five, I don't know if it was beard content or if it was beard reviews. I was watching Scuba probably back in 2017, and that yep. was a little bit before your time. Yep. But I'm not sure when, what year that came out, but that's really what kind of keyed me to kind of watch your uh, videos. And then you had a live feed, and I don't remember what that is. But what, I guess, what kind of made you feel comfortable enough to hit that record button like what things did you feel like you needed to know other than reviewing beard oils like other than putting them in your own beard of course but what made you say okay i feel good with this let's hit record yeah it's a great question so i i was watching videos around that same time 2017 2016 and i just like so many community members today i would comment on videos and started to kind of get a name and uh, essentially, I started teaching in 2012, and, or 2011, 2012, and I was 22 years old. And so I was like, I want to stand out. Let me grow out some facial hair. And with the facial hair, I had it short to begin with. And I'm like, let me try to grow it a little bit longer. And then my wife encouraged me to, to try to grow it even longer. So I started researching because the first product that I got was a really bad product, really garbage. Everyone was like, hey, you got to try beard oil. You got to try beard oil. My wife picked one up that smelled really good. And I'm like, oh, sweet. And I'm like, ah, this can't be right. So I started doing like I always do. I started researching and going in depth. And I started posting on Reddit. And I'm like, hey, I, I don't know about this ingredient, but what about this? What do you guys think? And then I would show like my styled mustache. And then I would show a new trim. And I started to build a little bit of following. I even had like beard companies reaching out to me uh, before the channel when I was on Reddit. And then the scene of the beard content, very super micro niche at the time was much different than today. I mean, vastly, vastly different than today. There were no scheduled live streams. I don't know anybody that had scheduled uploads. It was just kind of like a couple of names that were making videos about these scuba being the biggest and kind of most dominant. And it seemed like they were all very similar. It was like what and I and I love all these guys. Uh, Scuba is a, a buddy of mine I still talk to on almost a daily basis. But it seemed like almost what I would call bro channels, where they would they would burp, they would swear, they would talk about beards, about like getting chicks. And I'm married. I have children. I'm a public school teacher, and I just never was that that kind of guy. That just wasn't my my personality. And obviously it was working. They had some very successful channels, very, very good numbers, very entertaining. And I thought, man, when my wife was like, I think you'd be good at this. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And what would make me different? Why would somebody watch me if I'm going to try and copy this guy scuba? Nobody's ever going to want to watch a watered down version of him. My my video and audio wasn't as good. My humor wasn't as funny. My charisma wasn't at the level of his. So I'm like, how can I separate myself? And so I distinctly said, you know what, and I, I made it my first video was my intro, I said, hey, I'm going to be family friendly. I'm also going to be educational, I'm going to teach you about these things. And I'm gonna have a really big kind of plot twist. When we talk about these beard products, we talk about how they smell. Oftentimes, you're having these scented beard products for uh, to attract a lady or for the lady that's in your life or significant other. How about I bring my wife into these videos, and she'll tell you what she thinks they smell like. So we don't need to assume what women are going to think. Let's hear from a woman. And so those were kind of my big three things, family friendly, educational, and then a woman's perspective. And I was like, I think I can do this. And just like I do anything else, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be a workhorse. I'm going to learn. I'm going to have natural growth. And that's it, kind of exactly what it was. And, and I just wanted to be different. And it's really kind of held up over time and, and paid off for me. And I don't want to like give any clout where it's not deserved but like if you really want to compare the two you have nf and you have eminem you have nf yeah. that can be used in any situation that's for sure. ever brought to them and then you have eminem which is good for personal use so, i mean yes they're both rap but nf yep. he doesn't swear but he right. still puts out just as good of content yeah oh absolutely in my opinion of course but yeah and a little but, bit more motivational inspirational for sure more of a yeah, journey nf hat right there you know I, I absolutely love not just his content, but I also love like 
that you can use it in any type of like life situation. Yeah, like for sure. I mean, he tells a journey. It's a story. It's almost like a book on every album that he drops. Yeah. Yep. Especially, I think this one's going to be one of the biggest books that he drops. I agree. So, I mean, when when it comes to content creation, I think that a lot of people don't think that far outside of it. Like, what's it going to do if it does get big? Right. And with Scuba, I was watching his stuff simply for a lot of the entertainment factor. I, I mean, he was great, hilarious. Great at it. Awesome. And I only live 45 minutes away. I think I might have seen him in passing. But okay, if you've noticed that, like, you're not your channel's not as big as his, but you've got sixty eight thousand, sixty eight point six thousand. I think is the last yeah. time I looked. I mean, he he doesn't answer all of the comments that like you do, but he still has that following. Like, and mm-hmm. it's got to be the entertainment factor, in my opinion. But he still puts out good content about what he likes about a beard oil and stuff like that because he started getting into a lot of the products that you're now getting into, for sure. Or have been getting into like beard octane. For sure. But looking back on like what it was that or after you actually started, what was the hardest thing that you actually had to teach yourself? Like, was it like editing or was it like not looking at likes, not looking at comments or anything like that? Was there anything that stands out? For sure. Easy. And and most of that stuff was pretty simple to me. I I always say, too, with this, again, I had been teaching, I've been coaching the best training in the world for a YouTube channel was looking at 155 12 year olds every day. Right. If you want to talk about being able to handle trolls and being able to understand engagement and how to educate and, and, and get a, a mission out there successfully, that is the best training you could ever have. So the the likes, the comments, the views, the social network, none of that ever phased me or impacted me and still never will. The hardest thing for me was learning video and audio. My early video and audio was so atrocious, and I'm still nowhere near where I, I will be in five years, uh, but I don't know anything. I, I, when I would get a new camera, I would get a new mic, I would spend days, hours and hours and hours every day learning every setting I could, like the camera I have right now, and then I set those settings, and I usually never touch it again until I get a new camera because I don't know f-stop and shutter speed and all this stuff. Like It's white balance. I don't know those things. I didn't grow up with any kind of audio video class. I didn't grow up with with cameras or nothing. So for me, learning that side of things was a real, real challenge. And and I, I put it together the best I can. But yeah, that was not natural to me at all. Do you have any particular like either content creator that really goes over that that you like to go back to and kind of understand like what they're doing? Big time in way more ways than one. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Tom Buck. Tom Buck is fantastic. On the surface, he'll review and educate about mics and cameras and, and equipment for computers and you name it, content creation. Tom Buck is the GOAT of all time. Another thing is he was a public school teacher for, I believe, 12 years and left teaching the year before I did. So he like went through the process, showed that it was possible. I was able to ask him questions, learn from his process of leaving education and then going into YouTube full time. And so, yeah, without a doubt, shout out to my man, Tom Buck and his wife, Heather, who also makes content. She's phenomenal as well. That is that is the one that I go to all the time. I, I use you can probably see it over here a little bit. I use a um, a Rodecaster Pro for my audio. Tom was the guy that pioneered the content on the Roadcaster Pro. Uh, my mic I learned about from Tom. I, I, there's so much to that, all my lighting, everything. So yeah, Tom Buck, no doubt. I actually bought a camera because one of the reviews that he did was, uh, he's the guy with like the colorful background, right? It's like yes, bluish. He does green. a lot of puns. Yeah, he's, uh, I got the Insta360 yep. uh, webcam from him. So, yep, well, not from same. him, but that right. was one of the reasons why I chose it, but like whenever I'm looking at content and they're going over all these little things, the one thing that I look for is like somebody that's really, I guess on my pace of learning, whether it be electronics or graphics or anything like that, I would say that it probably took me a year before I actually felt comfortable enough with what I had in my house before I was like, eh, let's go and do this. But then probably a month down the road is when my friends and I were like, Hey, why don't we just do this together? And that's really where I've focused a lot of my time. But now that I have my schedule back, I've started to bring in back in the recess ruckus. So my biggest goal is to really start to understand like the, 
post-production thing because whenever I would post it, I was always like worried about little things that I probably shouldn't have been worried about. Mm-hmm. Like whether, like my sound, I think is the key thing first when it comes to podcasting or when it comes to video creation, really. But like second should be your video. Like start building up your repertoire, if you will, before you start plugging in all this money. And that's what I was worried about. How am I going to come up with the money to pay for this yeah. down the road? But that shouldn't be what anybody, whether it be content creation or podcasting, I think they kind of intertwine within the two, but my goal with this one was to be audio only. And my friends were like, Hey, why don't you have it on actual video? Cause I think that a lot of people will learn a lot more with what I'm doing. But my hardest thing is uh, going back to look at like, uh, I, I, I can't really think of the, the channel name, but they're really big. Uh, think media. That's what it is. Like yeah. they're very good at like getting you started, but they're not very good at like going into detail because they're for known sure. for their short content creation. And I don't think that that's necessarily great for somebody who's just now learning. Yeah. So just like with beard care, like, is there any other like niches that you've thought about getting into down the road, whether it be with Sam C or with an, with the mayor or anything like that? For sure. Yeah. There have been a couple that we have actually dabbled in and the I would say one of kind of just a, a little side thing that goes with this. One of the biggest challenges for me with leaving teaching was when I, I did this teaching and coaching full time. I mean, I was coaching a state champion level water polo varsity team while teaching all day while making content and live streams. At that point, it was just survival. Like I just had to get the stuff done. Now that I do have time, more time available to me, I've also had more opportunities available to me. And so the challenge has been, I have so many baskets out there, but I only have so many eggs. What basket do I put my eggs into? Do I go all into one and and do the eggs into there? Do I spread a little bit of eggs into the different baskets? Do I do two? So this question is a really tough one because we have dabbled and explored. We, We love camping. We have a travel trailer. We go all around the state of Michigan and go camping. And so we've thought about, hey, maybe we do a travel camping one. Me and Sam are really good together with our personality and we kind of just have this I think just some great vibes and we know how to be on camera but that's such a challenging thing once you actually get on the camping trip and it's like how do you balance what is filming what is enjoyment and and you don't want to miss the moments when you're trying to worry about the camera and then the editing is a whole new thing so that was one Um, another thing that we share in common is I love beef jerky and so we I've had a lot of people request like, hey, why don't you do like a beef jerky review channel? I'm like, okay. And then I am a history teacher and I love talking about history and I try to weave it into my channel. And oftentimes people be like, I would love to have a history channel for you. Now that has a a loaded backside to that because if you make a history video, no matter what you say, you could say the North won the the Civil War. You're going to have people that come out and say, you're wrong. This is the, this is the correct information. So that's something I didn't want to get into. Um, another channel that I actually started, but for several different reasons that I can't super talk about yet, I have not made and executed content, and that's about why I left teaching. And that's something I do want to do more of in the future. I would also like to do more education about public speaking. I love public speaking and the art of it and the skills and the little things you can do to improve your communication. Because I genuinely believe I've never been the smartest person in any room. I grew up with two sisters that are both brilliant. One was an Ivy League lawyer. The other one, it went to U of M med school, like brilliant people. So I, I grew up knowing that I wasn't the smartest, but I do have pride in my communication. I can take simple concepts and deliver it in digestible ways or even difficult concepts and break it down to ways that people can understand it and comprehend it easily, which is why I love teaching, which is why I love coaching, which is why I love doing this. So something along the lines of public speaking in that world, that would be another one that I would love to do. But I just haven't had that time break yet where I always have something. I always have something with my beard content or my consulting behind the scenes or my whatever else it is where I haven't had time where I'm like, okay, I got a little bit of time I can use here. I'm pretty much using every moment of my day. So eventually, I definitely have some baskets that are open. I'm just not super exploring those at this time. I'm kind of seizing my what got me to the dance and and really trying to put everything into that. Now, I think you posted this picture, I think it was yesterday on your Instagram, like you would, it was almost like a checklist that you were going through recording, yeah. editing, thumbnail, and optimi- optimizing is that what it yeah. was yep now can you kind of 
I guess, go into a little bit more detail about that last one? Because I think a lot of people kind of get a little, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, I yeah. sort of know like what you mean by it because I, I do this, but what do, you, what, what do you call optimizing in Dan C's eyes? For sure. Yeah. And I'll just run through the whole process super quickly. So I have pre-production, right? I have a studio, but I do have different lights, like my live stream lights. Uh, I have, I can't really see them, but I have lights that are diagonally for me for the live streams. And then I have lights that when I film, I'm on the opposite side of this. And so the lights are actually like right here going that way. And so I set up, I film. When I get done, I have a tripod. I take my picture for a thumbnail. While I'm uploading the, the SIM card or the data card to the computer, I'm editing my thumbnail myself right on my phone. And then from there, I edit the video and then I upload the video. Now, the optimizing for me is once that video is uploaded, what do I do within the back end of YouTube? So put in a title. I got to be strategic there. I want people to click and watch the video, but I will never, ever have clickbait. I don't want people to watch it and be like, oh, he misled me. So I want it to be captivating, but also accurate, also searchable. And then I got to I got to optimize the description. First sentence should say what the video is about. I then want to call action, call to action to encourage people to subscribe if they're checking out my description. And then I'm going to throw in some links, whether it's to my Instagram, whether it's to uh, maybe it's an affiliate that, that I'm working with at the time. And then maybe I have some Amazon links for the equipment that I use in the video. Then below that, now I get the next level of optimization. There's a beautiful feature on YouTube called Chapters. And if you ever watch a video and you see at the bottom, you can scroll by and it has little different names on it. Well, that is something that isn't just magic. You structure it in your description. And so for me, what I do is when I edit, I oftentimes have like a little title in the top right-hand corner. And all I do is I pull up YouTube on half the screen. I pull up my editing program on the other half, and I just match my chapters with those titles. And so it'll be an introduction. It'll be the details. And it's very much like a teaching lesson plan. I'll have my, my intro, the details, the evidence, then the conclusion. And so I kind of break it down like that for the chapters. Then beyond that, I select my playlist. If it's a review, I put a beard review. If it's knowledge, I put knowledge. Then beyond that, super unbelievably important is you get 500 characters to use as your tags on a YouTube video. And what that is, is when somebody is searching for a specific term, a specific phrase or sentence, those are what are going to trigger those search results. And so if I make a video about combing your beard, for example, I'm going to put every version of combing your beard possible in that description because I want it to be relevant. I'm not going to put a beard tube. I'm not going to put beard brand, people that are searching for something else and then maybe happen to see my video. I'm going to put beard comb, beard combs, comb beard, combing beard, how to comb your beard, when to comb your beard, how often to comb your beard. And I'm going to do every single version of that. Now, even pull up websites that are like SEO based, where it'll show me the leading data on that. So I will use something like SEMrush, SEMrush is a great one, or Google Trends is a free one, which is awesome. And I'll put beard comb into those uh, SEO programs, and it'll give me every version that people are searching for of beard comb. And then once I plug that into YouTube, there's a really nice free program called TubeBuddy, like YouTube TubeBuddy. And the best and only feature I use from TubeBuddy is it will show me where my tags would rank for that video. So if I put beard comb and it gives me a green and a number two by it, essentially they're saying once this video goes live, if somebody searches beard comb on YouTube, your video is going to show up second. And so I always try to be in that top 10. I want to be on that first page when somebody's searching. And so that the optimizing is a skill. It's an art. It takes research. It takes kind of an understanding of, of what people are thinking to get to that point. You got to think about the end viewer when you're making that, that optimization. And, and that's really the, the main aspect of it. From there, you want to pin a comment. You want to share it on Facebook. There's all these little like criteria that help YouTube say, okay, I'm going to push this video even more. So that would be the optimization side. Yeah, and those tags, I mean, they get a little tricky because if somebody misspells a word, like yeah. that could actually, I mean, hit or miss if they don't know how to spell comb and they spell yep. it C-O-M-E, then that might be what triggers your video to go viral. Truly, truly. And if you do those SEO pages, oftentimes that is what it's going to show you is how people spell it differently. Or if I'm doing a video about myself, I'll put Dan C. Bearded, Dan C. Beard, Dan C. as one letter, beard, dance, see beard at all together. And then just exactly try to put 
any version of it, dancing bearded stuff that like people heard and then they type it, that can absolutely trigger it. And and on the other side, you got to be careful too. So for example, I did a review for a beard oil, one of my first ones, and it popped off. It went crazy. Early days, I got like 15,000 views. I'm like, whoa, I had like 200 subscribers. And it was an oil from a company called The Bearded Bastard. And the oil was XXXX, so four X's. So that was in the title, that was in the description. Now we can make some assumptions here. Video went off because a lot of people were searching on YouTube for XXX and they found my video and it had my beautiful wife, (laughs) had my beautiful wife on the, the thumbnail. The watch time on that like 10 minute video was like 20 seconds. Because they clicked it, so I got 15,000 views. I don't even know what it's at now, but a lot of views. And people clicked it, realized it wasn't what they were looking for, so they got out of it real quick. So even though there was a lot of views, it was probably detrimental to the channel. And so I got to consider all of those things and, and like understand that those tags are really important for driving that traffic. And another thing that I kind of want to highlight just with your content creation is, is that I've past couple of days, I've kind of went back and watched uh, uh, Beyond Bearded uh, live with the mayor. Like, yeah. uh, one that's really standing out to me is that one that you guys did with that uh, police lieutenant. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, John Swartz. Yeah, okay, yeah, John. Uh, like, that by itself, I think that's your podcasting realm of your content creation, but I think that so much more of that, like, you guys are killing it on the difference in all three of your guys' live streams. And for the ones that don't know, like you live stream, you live stream by yourself on Mondays. Yep. You bring in the mayor on Wednesday and then he does his own thing on Sunday evening. Now, I don't know what time that normally is. It's different sometimes, but right now he's going through some stuff on what you posted. But I think that that kind of gets overlooked. It might not get the views that it probably should or shouldn't, but I think that, it's good for somebody to go back and listen to. Have you thought about putting that on like, like anchor or Spotify or anything like that? Eventually. Yeah, for sure. That's just a world I don't know and understand. And it's, it's something, it's one of those baskets for sure. I get a lot of requests for, for the podcast angle of things. And I, and I get that. I, I love the simplicity of Spotify and being able to lock your phone and be able to have it play and just kind of go about your day. So I definitely get that and kind of like a, a huge theme with what you're saying there is I genuinely never do stuff for views. A lot of people like study the numbers and they go over the analytics and I do, but I don't do it in a way that drives content. If I did that, some of my biggest opportunities I've ever had have come from very small viewed videos. So I never try to do stuff based on having a bunch of views, but I do try to do stuff based on having a lot of diversity. So I will never have the same live stream like multiple times a, a week as le- as of right now is not the plan because I like people getting different feels, different vibes, different situations. The way that I'm talking now in this conversation mode is very different than what I was talking last night on, on a Monday show. It's not because I'm different. It's just different setting, different scenario, mm-hmm. different vibes. So that's all very purposeful. And again, I think it's a really good lesson to I don't do things based on getting views. If I did some things like I have a series called Carrier Oils 101, they don't get a lot of views. Every single time it goes, YouTube shows you your last 10 videos and how they rank at any given time that the Carrier Oils videos are always 10th out of 10. They're always terrible as far as views go. But oftentimes when I find companies and there's an opportunity that comes up with those companies that can change my life, it comes from videos like that. And so it may not be mass appeal, but like the potency of those views is so heavy. And I love that. And I mean, just from my experience, like before I actually started this, I studied everything left and right, up and down, whatever. Yeah. It got to the point where I was getting ready to record and then I had to get to this last one that I overlooked and that was the hosting site for like the podcasting. Oh, yeah. Where it it distributes everywhere. I spent probably two and a half, three months just looking at that and that kind of set me back a little bit. But when I was deciding on who I was going to go with and what I was going to choose, that's where you start kind of questioning, hey, is this going to be good? Because YouTube's very, I mean, it's very simple. You just upload it, you do your tags and all that stuff. Yep. But with what host that you're going to be choosing to go with, like you've got all these other people like, Hey, we, we upload to this site or we upload to this site. And those are the ones that kind of make you go, Oh, I'm going to second guess this. But I yeah. think the cousins, uh, 
Joe and uh, Joe. Man, they haven't been on in a while, so I forgot their name. Kyle, Kyle and Joe. Yeah, yeah Kyle and Joe. They're the ones that uh, really said, "Hey, go with Anchor. It's free. Everything's set up for you. All you have to do is go in and copy paste like your your tags for it to upload to Apple and all that stuff." So, God bless them because if it wasn't for that, then I would probably still be talking to myself, like t- trying to talk <laughs> myself out of it because That's that good was to know. the most insane thing I've ever tried to actually study myself. But yeah. Now, I mean, your content creation, in my opinion, I, I, I find different videos useful, other videos not so much because I kind of find myself uh, already doing something like that, For whether sure. it be that I stopped co-washing now almost three years ago. You had just started that, what, two years ago? Yeah. Two and a half. Hell I mean, yeah. just those little things that I find intriguing is that other people are trying it, but like you kind of accidentally find yourself doing it too. Now when you're trying to actually come up with content, what process are you personally, what's going through your head at that moment? Like if you come up with a good idea, is it coming out of your notes on your phone that you keep, or is it very well planned out? Like you said, you do stuff in a book report type setting. Yeah. So it is always from my notes. Now, how it gets there is a different path, but I keep a note of videos that are video ideas. And then I plan my week ahead. And so Wednesday and Sunday are like educational videos. Friday is review video. So Friday review is based on like the demand and companies reaching out or just I I get to do what I want if I want to cover something else, which is the beauty of the channel. How I get the ideas comes from kind of two sides. One is just my straight up experiences. I'll be going through something and I'm like, oh, this could be a video. I bet people would want to learn about this. I bet people would want to reflect and expand upon this. That's a video. The other side is I get people that ask me questions. That's the beauty of this channel is they'll ask me questions. And then as soon as I see a theme, I'm like, oh, man, three people asked me that same question last week. That definitely means that in this small sample size of the people that are interacting with me, that's reflecting a much bigger sample size that wants to learn about this. And so almost always, that's what it is. Someone will say, hey, Dan, uh, why do you co-wash? And I'll be like, that's a great question. And then I'll, I'll look into it, I'll research it. And then my process from there is I, I kind of do bullet point notes. And so I'll do a bullet point when I film, I never look at anything, nothing is ever, nothing is ever like posted or anything like that. And one thing that a very, very small amount of people will ever notice, but I'm very proud of it. And that when people do notice, I think it, it resonates with them is I don't do any edit cuts. A lot of YouTube videos is quick cuts, quick edits, pop in here, pop out of there. And it's not just necessarily for your entertainment. It's oftentimes because they're cutting out verbal pauses. They're cutting out their mess ups. And there's nothing wrong with that to each their own. But I'll take pride in doing I, I have a video that's coming out next week that is unbelievably detailed. And it goes over the laws and regulations surrounding fragrances in the beard product industry. I talked for 13 minutes straight. And I nailed every single point that I wanted to talk about. And it was all laid out with bullet points. I, somebody brought up a question, a point, and I'm like, I think I could make a video on this. So I laid it all out with my, my facts and my points. I kind of go over it. And then I know in the back of my head, I got to talk about this, 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 and this. And then everything else is just stuff that I know. I try not to ever make videos about things I don't know. I try not to ever answer questions that I don't know. I have no problem saying, I don't know. I'll find out later. I'll write it down as an idea. And that's just kind of how I deliver it is it goes from planning with how you got the, to the, the topic, executing the topic in a list, and then just delivering it on camera. Now, I mean, for people who are listening, uh, I highly recommend going to check out. I mean, I wouldn't say video one because it took me probably a year and a half before I actually saw video one. But I would say one of my favorite topics that you cover is probably the uh, not necessarily the beard oil 101 but it's the it's the detail into what what is the the viscosity level like during the times of year and how it makes your beard fill up this those are the big keys that a lot of people kind of overlook because it's going to be different no matter how it is because you live in michigan i live in kansas so a thinner beard oil for me in the middle of summer when it's windy isn't necessarily going to be the ideal thing i still want that hold in my beard i want it to not feel frizzy, anything like that. So don't ever take what he's saying for what it's going to do for you at all. And that's what a lot of people kind of over overlook. They're like, well, you said it was going to do this. And that's obviously not the point. He's saying it works like this for me. So that's crazy. My video tomorrow as of filming this at 8am Eastern, 
The title of it is Variable Practices versus Best Practices. Well, there you go. go. Over the, I go over the concept that there are some best practices, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, such as drinking water to stay hydrated. There's no one on the planet that should say, I'm going to go a day without drinking water because it's good for my beard. It's just not true. Like we, we love, we love the phrase, like everybody's beard is different. It's like, well, that's true, but we do need to expand on that even more. And then I go over those variable changes. Well, what about your climate? What about your skin type and stuff? So that my video tomorrow is literally about that. And uh, I mean, not many people in the community, I wouldn't say are from necessarily Kansas, but they're th everywhere around the United States. Oh yeah. Around the world, even now, yeah. I mean, you're, I think you had like this thing to where you posted post where you're from and you were posting. I, I don't think that I saw a country that I could at least pronounce on that <laughs> list. Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're hitting people in Japan probably yeah. by now. Oh I mean, yeah. That's yep. crazy. Yep. No, it's, it's about 50, 50 right now, as far as the United States as about half the viewers and then the rest of the world I've cut, I think we're into triple digits on countries that, that have watched, which is pretty crazy. That's awesome. So, yeah, it, it is awesome. And that's something I would love to, to grow few into the future, kind of the Mr. Beast model, where you have the ability to, to use some AI technology where there's a voiceover of my videos, but it also changes my lips to look like I'm speaking that language. And uh, when you think about my niche in particular, there's definitely different communities all around the world that have a beard focus, right? You think about different religious groups, you think about different cultural groups. And it's like, I would love to tap into uh, something with the Hindi language or the different dialects that they have in India. I would love to have just different uh, Arab, I would love an Arabic language channel. There, there's so many where the growth could happen because a lot of them are doing on subtitles right now. And obviously that's not ideal. <laughs> Actually, there's a guy I got a flag on YouTube that somebody was was copyright stealing my copyright. And it was a guy in Germany that was reacting to a video of mine. And I obviously couldn't understand him. So I had subtitles. And I'm like, this just isn't a great experience with the subtitles. So that's something that I hope to grow on in the future. Now, is that like a separate channel? Or is that something that he's adding to his old videos? So Mr. Beast has 12 different channels. And so he will have his same content. But he will have a dedicated uh, Mandarin Chinese channel. And so it's it's just it's every video he has. And essentially what he does, he has a program for it, you can pay for it, where he has an actor from that native speaking language that will get your video will voice over and translate it. And then they have an AI technology that will change your lips to match that new that new voice actor. And he's probably the number one guy to show you that obsession isn't always bad because for sure. I appreciate his grind. I mean, his content isn't always for me, but for I sure. appreciate learning from just the little things that he talks about. Like, uh, I think it was the, like you said, the captions that he has on there, yeah. the automated captions, like don't have automated ones, try to make them pop out and stand out yep. and be people interacting. So, but yeah, I mean, shout out to beast just because of his work ethic. Cause that yeah. guy is killing it on that end. No doubt. But no doubt. I know you had, for, Oh, go ahead. I'll say he even had little things that, I learned from such as if you go through his thumbnails, almost all of them have him smiling and showing teeth. And he figured out by just studying years worth of YouTube that those kind of thumbnails were welcoming and encouraging to get people to click and then to establish the vibes and just little things like that. Yeah, his obsession is, is real. And, and I've learned a lot from him. Well, he's almost down to the science of it. He could probably yeah. write a book just about the science of YouTube. So for sure. But I know you're cut for time, and I just had a few other questions yeah, about no, yeah, content. Um, what was the uh, – I kind of want to go backwards with your coaching and teaching. What is the biggest thing that you noticed as a coach that you feel like you had to change to, I guess, get across to the kids or something that you didn't have as, a, as an athlete? Like, what do you think should have changed, or what did you have to change to make yourself a successful coach? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, I thought that it, to have the best teams possible, I thought there needed to be community. I thought that they needed to understand roles and understand winning for the team. We became such a, a new sports world with the introduction of club teams and AAU teams and scholarships, and it became very single-tracked, right? My stats are far above the the 
actual team results. And, and that was unfortunate. I actually saw it last night. My alma mater basketball team has gone to the state championship back-to-back years. Well, they knocked out another team where a former student of mine was playing against them. And former student of mine, amazing player, but their team lost. All he posted were his highlights afterwards. And I'm like, man, if I lost, I'm mortified. I'm not posting a single thing, man. I, I'm, I'm upset. But this dude is, is posting crossovers and making threes. And I just want to yell. I literally want to yell, you lost. And so I needed to get that mindset for my team. I needed to get my team on that same page. And so I introduced a couple of things. The, actually, the best year I ever had, 2018, I got Michigan Coach of the Year. I'm up on the, the wall at the high school and stuff. The team didn't like each other. When they first began, it was a nightmare because they went past each other to the ball. We had one dude that was a stud and everyone else resented him for that. And then the goalie was really good and thought they weren't getting enough attention. And so it was just like not a good vibe. They didn't like each other. They didn't hang out. They didn't have a common goal. So I was like, I need to bring them together. And as a history teacher, I was like, man, one great way to bring people together is to have a common enemy. If they can have a common enemy, let's do this. So I'm like, okay, let's make this team the common enemy. That wasn't enough. Let's, I don't know what this is going to be. Let's have a common goal. It wasn't enough. So one day I decided, you know what? I don't really care. I'm not here for people to like me. How about I become their common enemy? And so I waited until they messed up and I kicked them all out of the pool. I, and I, I laid it on them heavy. I kicked them into the locker room and I knew, and this was all planned out. I knew somebody was going to make a noise. So I waited till they made a noise. I went in there and I bah, 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 busted up, get out of here. You don't deserve to be here. And they kind of like, would go home and be like, God, that guy's a jerk. And then two people that didn't like each other, like, yeah, he is a jerk. You, you thought that too? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so they started bonding over hating me. And then I was securing myself enough that I knew as the season was going to go on and as the success was going to go on, they would start to realize, okay, he actually is just looking out for us. He's a great guy and the parents would come around. And so that was big when, when I didn't see that before. And then Building from that, another thing that's just not natural in coaching is I would have a phrase called KYP, know your personnel. And that was almost frowned upon nowadays when you would speak about skill set and to be able to tell a kid like, hey, this guy is our score. Our focus needs to be to get him the ball in the middle. Your focus right now is to pass the ball, to play crazy defense, to go out there and like, let's wear the other best player out. Let's do these things and to really understand your role. KYP, know your personnel. And so I thought those were huge, even though some people would see that in a different light. It brought great success for our team, which I thought was the most important thing. I think I had a similar scenario with that. Ours was uh, uh, back to the basics. So yeah. like BIB or something like that. I, I don't remember what, what yeah. in, like algorithm that they use, but it was something of that nature. But it's very Coach Carter-like like to make an enemy. Like he was the bad guy. And he For didn't sure. care if he was the bad guy. So I think that it's hard nowadays, not only for teachers and coaches to try to get into the the realm of what's changing around them, because especially you and I, like we were coached a total different way than where yeah. we have to coach now. Like yep. talking to people saying, I mean, I don't know if you've ever really dealt with the pronoun type thing in school, but like even that could be one little thing that could either make or break a coach's career in a school like that public for sure so for I sure mean, yeah there there was so much to that stuff and it, it the nice thing especially towards the end of my career is I did have a little bit of security with this stuff and I feel like I was the best coach the best teacher in my last couple of years because I wasn't worried about that pressure I wasn't worried about getting fired I wasn't worried about getting canceled or anything like that I was just going to do what I thought was right for the kids what I thought was the best thing and so that was nice. I mean, you, you name it. I had every scenario. I had a mom that was also a teacher, straight up crazy, went to the athletic director, like just was absolutely crazy. Essentially, she got caught in a lie. So she got defensive and was saying I was like bullying her son since the seventh grade. And he was a senior and all this stuff to the point where the next day the kid called me into the office. He's like, man, I just want to apologize. My mom is crazy. I had no part of that. I don't know what's going on. I'm so embarrassed, man. And so I, I've you, you just deal with it all. Unfortunately, I don't know any coach today that doesn't have situations like that. And that is a an, an athlete that you want to highlight is somebody yeah. that can actually take credit for somebody oh. else's, like, I guess, I don't know, personality. Like, if, for if sure. they can build off of that, I mean, that shows a lot of character as an athlete and a possible student. 
For sure. And, and the relationship is so important. My students, my athletes always knew that I cared about them, that I cared about the team above everything else. And when they know that, they can take the constructive criticism. They can take the coaching. I And, and every kid was different, right? I had an All-American, uh, my first All-American. Then we had a, a streak of four All-Americans in a row year after year after that, which was really cool. First time in school history. And that first All-American, man, he was a fired up dude. If he messed up, he wanted me to get on him. He wanted me to, to lay it down. The next year, the All-American was much more sensitive. And so I had to change my approach. I couldn't call him out in front of everyone. I had to call him in afterwards, be like, man, come on, what's going on? How are you doing this and stuff? So you, you got to adjust with the kid. But above all, they have to know that you are there for them, that you care about them. And when you do that, it falls in place. Unfortunately, that doesn't always get to the parents because they just see the finish line. They just see the game. They just see the minutes played, the goals scored. They don't see the grind of the two-a-day practices, the travel with the team, all that relationship building behind the scenes. And oftentimes, we know parents are living vicariously through their students and through their athletes nowadays. And so for them, it's just about the show. It's just about the stats. And that's where that disconnect happens. I, I can't tell you a single disconnect when it was with the student or the athlete. It was almost always the parent. Right. And my boss, before he left and retired, he said the hardest thing not only coaching girls, but he also said trying to find something that they, that they're trying to fight for, like whether that be like, you've got like Michigan, they have inner city problems with either homelessness or, yeah. I mean, you have racism, you have all that other stuff. Like, what is it that, that he has to dig at to really get that, to get that drive out of them? And that's he, what he said was the hardest thing is trying to find out what drives them or motivates them without actually having to plug in that enemy. And he said that, he can't seem to find that with some women that or some girls that can't really find that within themselves. So yeah, I couldn't imagine it, coaching girls. I just couldn't. Yeah. And I coached both. I, I coached uh, the girls water polo team when my, uh, my youngest sister was a very good water polo player. So when she played, I was like, okay, I will come back. I will come coach the girls and had a lot of success. It was definitely a different beast. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, water polo is a very physical sport. Lots of punching, lots of kicking, grabbing under the water, holds, all that kind of stuff. And for the the guys, it was just like, okay, yeah, go play. And then for the girls, oftentimes the parents were more of the lens of that's my baby. You know, like you, you know, in there, it's like, ma'am, your daughter's fully engaging in this and like starting it most of the time. She's oh, she's okay. But for them, it just no pun intended, it just hit differently. And so that was a challenge of the emotion that you would see. It was almost, I'm sure you would get that same experience in wrestling where you'd have the wrestling moms that would have these visceral reactions to their kid getting slammed or losing a match. And it just that, that side of it. And it's like, no, this is what they signed up for. They know what they're doing. And that, that was tough as well to kind of handle that, that dichotomy of this athlete and what they were expecting and knew what they were doing as compared to the parent. And that's what I enjoy about female UFC fighters. I think that they are some of the most vicious. Oh, yeah. They, they go till the bell goes or oh, yeah. till the bell rings sometimes pass, and they don't care. They do oh, not yeah. care. Yeah, so, you'll see some of those before and after shots of their face, whether it's Thug oh. Rose or Lee. Oh, man, there's some crazy battles out there. Uh, I, I, I personally, I think I enjoy most of the women fighters over a lot of those showstoppers that we have now, like, I would probably rather watch some female fighters over even like the Conor McGregor's now. Yeah, no, it's crazy. The Valentino fight that we saw last week, nuts. That was the craziest finish to a fight that I've crazy. seen for how quick somebody re can react to, in a, not just a fight, but in a certain scenario like that. She, she knew what she needed to do, and she got it done. Wild, wild. But I know that you are cut for time and I respect CNC's wishes. So uh, before we go, I do want you to kind of plug a little bit of your stuff. And I have a couple slides here for you to kind of go over. Oh, awesome. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, I definitely take that. Yeah. So I do have a video every uh, Wednesday, Friday and Sunday, 8 a.m. Eastern. That's all beard videos. Uh, Commands Corners, Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern. And that's a live stream where we do giveaways. We have like games and jokes and we just overall have just kind of a fun, high energy, stress-free environment. Uh, Bearded Vice Live is every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, you don't know if Beyond Bearded is going to come back or not, but that's on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then also highly active on Instagram. It's uh, something yeah, that I got to push through. Oh, perfect. Yep. So YouTube, Dancy Bearded. Uh, there is a Facebook group that's got uh, over 7,000 private members. Again, super supportive. 
you can post, man, I had a rough day. Somebody posted yesterday that they were really struggling with their dog dying. I mean, so many people came out and were like, I understand. I feel you. I'm here for you. Uh, so really special group. If you choose to join it, just make sure you hit the the questions on the the entry page, I guess you would call it. And then Instagram, you see more of my my family, more of my personal side uh, as compared to just like laser focused on beards for the YouTube side of things. Yep. And then I plugged this also because I think this is a pretty big deal on your guys because you guys just opened up again, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's uh, what she's doing right now. So my wife makes everything in house. We have shirts and decals and hats and she comes up with the designs. She has the full out whole setup of a heat press and all these crazy things. And uh, it's it's an amazing one. So it's on Etsy. It's called the Beauty and the Beard MI. Uh, it's linked in every video that I have. So if you just open up and I'll tag video, it too. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And so that's her passion. My wife was an accountant. And then she stepped away from that. So now she has her literal shop. I mean, it's a room. It's beautiful. She was able to design it, plan it out. And so she she does it all from like I said, design to creating, she does the packaging, the the labeling, she ships it out to to the post office. And it, it's it's her passion project for sure. And I have a probably three shirts that I've got uh, one of them, which is personalized. I don't know if she's going to get back into that. Yeah, yep. But uh, she also personalized one for my mother in law. Uh, and then I have two other ones that's uh, I think just your line. So awesome. awesome. But yeah, uh, huge shout out to Sam with her products. So but Dan, I truly appreciate you coming on here. Uh, we'll have to do this again and get more into the uh, realm of like your teaching and your coaching because I've yeah. I've always found that intriguing. I yeah, work I would in love to. and all that stuff. So I yeah. wanted this to be more of a different thing rather than just pineapple belong on pizza. I don't want it to be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fun, but right. I know that. I mean, I know that a little bit more about you than that. The stuff that I'm asking you, is stuff that I find interesting about what makes you you. Yeah, and I think that this just touched not even the bare minimum of the surface for sure i mean i, I would love to come back I, I can talk about this stuff for days and days this is what i enjoy man but i appreciate you coming on and uh before we kick out we'll uh touch base afterwards sounds good all right thank all right you man guys. we'll talk to you later